Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. You're in the team room. Aaron and I have got a couple guests with us. We've got uh, Emily, who has been on previously, and then we've got a new guest, Meg. Uh, we'll just go with that. Don't need to, to say anything else. Just like to keep a, a, a cloak. An of air of mystique. A yeah. mystique about the podcast today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, re- recording from a, a high-end studio as well. Uh-huh. Um, so no big deal there. Appreciate you guys joining us. I feel like that was a personal jab at the closet I find myself in right now. Um, and I just, I mean, it's, it's not really a metaphor. It's really the literal situation of trying to, you know, yeah. for the noise of children screaming in the swimming pool outside. So I've been reason I've been uh, led to believe that Lululemon absorbs sound for podcasting better than any other fabric. So as far as I can tell, you're doing great, Meg. Don't you listen to peaches. He gets all rowdy early in the morning. I mean it better for the cost. Lululemon better be the best <laughs> noise canceling for the cost. Magnifique. It's what, it's what we've heard anyway. So it looks like M's already frozen and, and bounced out uh, with typical internet issues, which, which do happen from time to time. But um, we've got a chance to focus on you right now and some of the things that you're doing. Um, so before we get into the Valkyrie project, um, you want to tell us a little bit about your background in fitness and, and everything like that? Sure. Um, my fitness journey didn't really begin until high school. I wasn't really involved in, um, sports as a little kid. I was kind of a more of an indoor little girl. Um, and essentially just joined the cross country team and track team in order to make friends in high school, because, you know, it's, it's hard to get through, um, high school when you're like a 14 year old girl that looks like a 12 year old boy until she's like 20. So, you know, I wanted to make friends and like be less awkward. And so a way to do that was to join these teams. And what I discovered to my surprise was that I was actually capable of some pretty cool stuff athletically. It was really fun to watch myself go from, you know, dying sore from an eight mile run every day to adapting to that and getting better. Um, And a friend of mine and I uh, joined a, a weightlifting class in high school just for shits and gigs, just to, to check it out. And then we started building some muscle and it was like, this is kind of fun. So that was kind of the inception. And then in college, I started doing, I, I grad, I just continued doing what might be considered like just bro lift type stuff to, to stay like, not, not, you know, uh, freshman 15ing through all, all years of college. <laughs> and I was going to go into the army. So I started CrossFit to get ready for that on recommendation of a friend of mine. Um, and he, he was like, you know, training with me in the regular gym and, um, eventually got to a point where I needed some supervision. So I went to a regular CrossFit gym. Um, and over the years just got a lot more competitive and started coaching. And, um, that really became my foundation for fitness. Um, so yeah, cool. I don't continue well, I only... to do that now, but that was that was a start. Was it was basically like high school track cross country, and then found CrossFit and kind of launched. So you're saying there. it's so you're saying it's not too late to start because uh, like you know you can you can make it and and have a life full of fitness without you know having a background from your a, a wee little one and you'll be just fine. Yeah, I mean it's. It's never too late, honestly. And I think that not only is it not ever too late, uh, your body wants to move. That's what I truly believe. Like people that spend a lot of time, decades sedentary, um, they probably have health problems and they probably have biomarkers that indicate health problems. And so probably not only, not only is it never too late to start, but start now if you haven't, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, I'm thinking of a, a developmental you know, when, when you guys, like when, as we're, we're entering a, I don't necessarily know if it's a crisis or not, but when we start talking about recruiting for the military and so many recruits are not, you know, they don't have the bone density, they don't have the um, range of mo- range of motion and that kind of stuff issues to be able to pass a, a normal air force army marine uh, fitness test um, or, or the physical to get in, you know, cause those are, at least for us on the special warfare side of the house, like there is more than just, Hey, the normal things that you're going to go through. We have to get a class three flight physical and that kind of stuff. So there's duck walking involved and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
and people aren't able to, because they haven't developed appropriately, they aren't able to meet those requirements. The, uh, yeah, the most unfortunate part about this is if, if you look, and we've talked about it before, like males today have 40% less testosterone than 20 years ago. You know, females today have spent less time on their feet than ever before. Like, you know, adolescents in general haven't done the, the physical work capacity. So it's awesome that we have programs like SWIC. It's awesome that we have these pre-accession workout programs. It's really great to see that we're focusing on that. But the, the, the little dirty secret underneath kind of that, uh, you know, those programs are, are, we have it because we need it. People can't just walk in on the street and off the street anymore and be like, no, I'm a, a relatively healthy. I work out in the sun, you know, all, all summer long when I'm not at high school. And I, you know, a little bit of coaching, I can get uh, some run times or I can get some, some calisthenics done. Um, you know, and I, I love Meg, your, your attitude on this. The best day to go to the gym was yesterday. The second best day to start going to the gym is today. Like that's a, that's a truism for a reason because your body is meant to move. And we're going to try this. You're in, you're out. I love it's a power move that we said we were going to hit record and you're just like, nope, I'm out of here. Uh, so listen, I got it. You're, you're a girl boss. You're gatekeeping right now. Uh, just, just be careful with the gaslighting. That's the three G's is being an adult female these days. Um, so you, you already came on, you talked about your, your time at, you know, coaching at SWIC and stuff. How did you get into, you know, your kind of like fitness journey, right? Like, it's awesome. Uh, CrossFit, I, we love making fun of CrossFit, of course, because that's what you do in the fitness community. You make fun of CrossFit. Um, but uh, the second and third order effects of CrossFit is that, like, you know, kids these days are growing up in gyms. You have positive, you know, role models, both males and females. Like, you know, watching Danny Spiegel absolutely destroy CrossFit events or watching, you know, Brooke Wells or Annie Thor's daughter, like having those those role models to watch somebody absolutely destroy a straight up fitness event has actually had positive second and third order effects. It's got a lot of people into Olympic lifting. It's gotten a lot of people into some of these niche sports, you know, gymnastics, people, you know, doing gymnastics is a regular part of their fitness regimen. Never happened, never happened before 20 years ago, you know, before we started watching people working out in a garage in Santa Cruz. So how did you find your way into the fitness community and, and what kind of like started that fire for you? So for me, it was an undergrad. I, I thought I wanted to be a nurse at some point, as pretty much everyone going to college uh, where, where I went. I, was, I went to Eastern Washington University up in Spokane, Washington. And I remember just like walking, literally just walked into a CrossFit gym one day. I'd been lifting for a couple years at that point. Um, and I kept hearing about CrossFit, but didn't really know what it was. And there was a gym right around the corner from where, where I was. So I just, I stopped in and kind of never left. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> and now I live there. Tight. <laughs> I live there. So <laughs> I started out, um, adding that on top of my normal, just like lifting routine. And then, um, and then I thought like, you know, this is, like, this is really fun and the coaches were great. And I was like, that's, that's kind of what I want to do. I don't, I don't want to be a nurse. <laughs> like I don't right. actually stomach for that or the patience for that. Um, but I think I could, did you just, coach. did you just have a pun? Did you say you couldn't be a nurse because you don't have the patience? But <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? The fact you clocked in on that. How dare you? I have had it. It's like saying, oh man, you know, why didn't the skeleton, you know, go talk to the, to the person that they would, they, they had a crush on because they didn't have the guts. I've had it with you. Yeah, that, that's, that's well, I I do see patients, but we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So I just, yeah, kind of lived there and then switched my major to exercise science with, uh, with a minor in psychology. Like the, the psychological aspect always interested me in learning how people are motivated uh, or unmotivated. So, uh, so finished that, joined the Air Force after I graduated with my, uh, with my degree in exercise science. Um, and then, yeah, I've just continued on. I then went on, uh, after I enlisted, I went to grad school. I went to Liberty University to get my master's in human performance. And I just, I wanted to keep learning about how the body moves and how we can apply science to really help optimize what we're doing, especially being in the military and the training that we do. And then in my specific job, uh, physical medicine. So rehabbing people from injury not only to just go live their life, but take it a step further and then get back into training or doing what they need to do to complete their, 
their job in the military. Well, both of you have a, uh, a unique perspective on fitness. Uh, and I say that just because uh, Aaron and I are dudes. And, you know, I, I think, you know, surprisingly, um, but Emily, you were talking about it like before, before this podcast, um, about how women have to train differently than, you know, men do. And, and I guess that's, that's pretty obvious, but at the same time, you know, as somebody who's just like, okay, well, this is all I know. And this is how I get after it for me. And I've had. I've had, uh, you know, uh, women CrossFit coaches. I've had men CrossFit coaches. We have men and women throughout, just like, you know, throughout the special warfare pipeline and even at, uh, some of the special tactics and ASOS and RQS units. Um, so like, actually, I'll throw this one to Meg. As you see it from your point of view, what are the major differences between training, um, just in general, not for a pipeline from men and women. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and give credit up front to my girl, Dr. Stacy Sims, who I got, I had the, the honor and privilege of hosting at our symposium a couple weeks back. Um, she's an internationally renowned um, kinesiologist who has basically been for years publicizing the big differences about how you should train women versus men and they all have a basis in biology and physiology. So um, we'll, I'll go ahead and, you know, do the thing that's going to make everyone shift in their seat. You know, women's and men's hormones are different. Their bodies are different. <gasps> Those shocking, right? How um, dare you? Great. We're canceled. You know, women have a biological process that reinvigorates their biology so that they can produce children, you know, once a month until X age, right? Starting from X age and ending at X age is a little different for most people, for everybody. Um, and so I think, you know, the big, the big thing that can be taken away from there is train your female athletes like they are female athletes. Um, unfortunately, the tendency is to train female athletes as though they are small males. Um, and, you know, Stacy regularly says things like women are not small men. That's her tagline because we're not. It's not, you know, pink it and shrink it like my friend Catherine likes to say. Um, and so that is a fantastic saying. Right. Is, like I am stealing. That is fantastic. If you want a pistol for women, make it pink and make it smaller. You want to. Wow, you want like, you know, kit for women, just make it smaller. That's it. Right. Yeah. Cause we're just, smaller. it's not, that's not enough. Um, if we want to fully invest in the end user and from a military perspective, fully invest in the weapon system, which is a human being. Right. Uh, so really not only do we have to look at those biological and physio physiological differences, but we have to break this habit of making the assumption that, you know, I am, I'm going to assume that this woman doesn't have the same potential as a man from the outset because she's small or indifferent. Um, I think that's a mistake. I think people like Tia Claire Toomey and these other world-class athletes are just shattering everyone's expectation, just like the men are, about what is possible in human performance writ large. So, you know, we'll take that barrier down and say, well, as, as a best practice as a coach, I have to approach the individual and those female aspects of, you know, having a cycle every month and whatnot have to play into the calculus. Um, let's also go ahead and defeat another, you know, trope, which is that um, somehow, you know, a cycle automatically means that you're just going to be out of the fight for a week every month. Most women, I think that experience that feeling of being out of the fight for a month is that she just doesn't have the resources or knowledge for nutrition and training but when you can optimize that knowledge, you can put yourself in a better situation. There's a two week window of opportunity every month where the estimate goes about 13% higher output for power is, is possible. And then the other two weeks, it's more of a, a built in deload, if you will. This is the good time for lower intensity, lower weights, more steady state cardio work. This is where we reinforce, you know, the zone two and three aerobic stuff. Uh, so all that to say, we're different, take the different approach. Um, the unfortunate side is, and I'll, I'll try and stop monolo monologuing shortly here. The unfortunate side is that good. the vast majority of 
conventional wisdom on strength and conditioning and nutrition is based on research that has been done in college age, you know, bachelor's degree age males that are doing collegiate sports. So most of the foundational knowledge that our certifications are based on that, you know, recommendations from the FDA and others are based on is young men in their twenties that do sport. Um, and certainly, you know, it's a 37 year old woman. I'm, I don't fit that bill. Right. So um, it's taking the, the need to appreciate the differences for female biology and physiology fits in the broader context of every individual athlete is different. And we're always going to do better taking an individual approach than a blanket approach. So when we're, when we're talking about uh, that, okay. So I had no idea that there was like a, a two week, two week section that, that there's a 13% better outload and then a, a, another two week deload process. So I guess my, my question, and I don't, Emily, I don't know if you heard any of that or not, but so how does that translate into something that is like a, well, all right, I'm going to ask you then that yeah, <laughs> she's going, um, like in a, in a selection process, you know, whether it's the Q course or special warfare or buds or whatever, how does that affect, I mean, okay. So you can't, you can't say, Hey, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wave off that two weeks. That, that doesn't happen. So when you're in a, a point where you can't do a deload, how does that work for women then? Right. And, and when I say deload, I'll clarify that it's, you know, it's an opportunity for the coach or the athlete to, you know, downgrade a little bit so that there is no need for four weeks on and one deload off, right? It's like you can, it's essentially a micro cycle wherein your biology dictates the deload instead of your coach putting it in your program. Um, but really it, it's not all that different from a male who is training for his 100% to gradually increase to 125%, right? His new, new, assuming that the training is effective, uh, the new 100% is potentially, you know, 20% higher than, than six months ago or whatever it is, right? We have to see an adaptation. Um, however, we know that when that individual goes to a selection and assessment cycle, ideal conditions are no longer available. Sleep, sleep deprivation, nutrition deprivation, high amounts of, um, stress that can potentially become, you know, transition from acute to chronic. Uh, and so that individual then, you know, the purpose of the training was I, my hundred percent is now bigger, but all of those stress factors now bring my hundred percent down to 80. The good news is if my training was right, my new 80 matches my old hundred. And as long as that amount is enough to get through the selection, then that person will be successful. So it's the same for females, right? Like we optimize when we biologically have an opportunity to optimize, back off a little bit and reset when it's time to back off and reset. And then the idea is that the time that you have spent training and the investment you have spent training means that your cup is more full when you get to selection so that when inevitably in the first three days, your cup starts get gradually getting gradually poured out, you still have enough to meet the minimum that's required. Um, and by the way, women have been adapting to these unfortunate situations for years, you know, like women that have like a in three week, four, five week long period in, in seer school, because it's like, I don't have an option. My body's freaking out right now. And I drive on and I, and you know, I succeed and I graduate and you know, like that's a thing that happens to all of us. Um, it's no, it's no surprise for women. It might be a surprise to men. Um, but you know, you, you pick up your ruck and drive on. Right. Um, but we can yeah. still put her in a better position before she gets to day zero. Well, we, you know, uh, actually Aaron and I answered this question yesterday. We did a, a IG live and it was brought up about, Hey, um, you know, your body composition, you know, should I gain weight beforehand? Uh, whether it was muscle or fat or should I, you know, and we talked about foundational muscle and that kind of stuff. And th you're talking from two guys that like Aaron knows more about fitness than I do, but at the same time, I, I just lived it and grinded through it. Right. Um, but your, your analogy of a, you know, a little bit gets poured out and that kind of stuff. And you never want to enter the pipeline or, or any kind of selection at a hundred percent. You need, you need some room to grow. Um, but also accept that you're high, you're, you're at a level that's high enough that you can start as you, 
you can fatigue and you can start having losses at the same time while still maintaining uh, the standard. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So as we talk about some of these things that you've highlighted, right? So I completely agree with you there. And this is going to shock people as well. So I'll just jump on the cancellation train, but men and women are different. Their physiological differences are pronounced and they're scientific and we can, we can lay them out. We can say that these things are different stuff like upper body strength, stuff like, you know, um, bone density, all, all these things. Right. So what are some of the things, if we were going to baseline it, right, we're going to talk about the Valkyrie project and, and you guys have actually gotten together uh, to make a no kidding system for training these physiological differences. But as, as you started, like before you guys decided to be like, all right, cool, let's, let's apply a system to this. Let's apply a process. If we were going to baseline and you were going to, you were going to coach a female through doing some of these things that we're doing, what are the, what are the things that you focus on um, for females specifically? Like if you're going to build a superhuman, you know, Tia Claire Toomey from the ground up, what is she doing right that other people are doing wrong? Right. So we, I love it. We don't want to pink it and shrink it. You don't want to train like you're, you're a small adult male. So what, what are we doing here? Um, and, and what are the deficiencies or differences or barriers or whatever word you want to use that you focus on in order to start building that superhuman? Em, you want to take this one and then I'll jump on after. Yeah, we'll see if my internet <laughs> works with me. Uh, so I'll just say from like uh, my individual uh, Valkyrie athletes that, I, that I've had so far, we basically sit down and talk for 30 minutes to an hour and just do an assessment of like, who you, who are you? What, what are your goals? What does your menstrual cycle look like? What is, what is your daily life actually look like? And where does training, where will training realistically fit in? And for some, it's, I have two days a week. Okay, great. Let's, let's capitalize on those two days a week. How much time do you have? What equipment do you have available? And then we just, we go from there. Um, like, what do you sleep? What does your sleep look like? What is it, What are your eating habits? And all of these things. So we try to, I try to approach it as like, how can we make this the, the most accessible to you? And, and make you actually want to show up and train. So, and this is, this could go for anybody, not just the women that, that we coach, but this is how I would assess a dude as well. If, if he came to me and wanted a training plan. Um, so looking at kind of a training history already, and if there's anything significant that, that might, that I should know about as a coach. So for example, I had, um, I had one person that I was coaching that, she would get really dizzy and sick doing any up down motion. So I needed to know that before I start programming burpees in her, in her workout, because she's not going to do them. Right. But if I didn't know that, um, like there's no way for me to know that unless I have a conversation with this person. I think that's so, really important. Um, like so just to quickly tag in there, like if you don't ask and you're handing someone a blanket PDF that says, here's your six weeks to selection, or six months to selection or whatever. Like you don't know their training age. You don't know their medical history. You don't know their life stressors. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to get a really big snapshot, not just like a tiny snapshot, not like, Oh, my fitness goal is to go to ranger school in three months. It's, it's so much more, so much more than that. Yeah. Okay. And to extend that to, um, sorry, I, I geek out on this stuff so hard. So I'm like really excited to be having this conversation. There's, it, there's also this aspect where a lot of folks like to, you know, the, the human performance folks sometimes not as much, but otherwise, you know, you go, you go through the in processing cycle of a new installation. And at some point you go to a briefing where someone sits in front of you and they're trying to tell you to take better care of yourself. And they say, you're a professional athlete. So treat yourself like a professional athlete. Well, that's a sweet sentiment. But the standard person that's trying to go to an assessment or selection or even like maintain a special operations job after they've gained entry does not have a crew of professional, like individual nutrition. You know, you can go see the nutritionist, right? But they're not going to tell you every day what to put in your mouth. You're not going to get five hours of exposure to your coach most of the time. Um, by the way, a lot of people have kids and spouses and other life stressors that go into how much room is left in your cup. Right. And so I think that's a big, I mean, Emily couldn't have been more precise and, and like perfect in saying that. Um, 
there's a lot of management and to some extent like micromanagement that has to be done to be an expert at the basics when you're not a professional athlete. The basics being, Mm -hmm. like you said, sleep, nutrition, you know, having a regular circadian rhythm, getting enough water. Many, most people I feel like struggle with the basics. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. My, I love it when people tell us, oh, we're well, you're a professional combat athlete. No, I'm not. If I was a professional athlete, I wouldn't be in the military. I'd be doing <laughs> professional athlete stuff and I would be focusing on my fitness 24 hours a day. And I would have a team of people that whatever, like I have these things that are like tasks. I'm going to train as if I may be an athlete. But if I really was, if I did that, it's always the funniest thing is we take a bunch of people that, uh, you know, they're not athletic. You know, the easiest way to, to show people that like, we're not really that athletic, just take a ball of any type and ask a team of operators to play a game with said ball, because a lot of them can run straight lines and do pushups and do burpees and stuff or lift some weights. But the second that you're like, Hey, do something athletic, express athleticism with your body and people do not do well in those circumstances. I do so, want to say that is primarily PJs though. Like you it. can, you can play just, ultimate football. Bait. Listen, PJs, all day long. You know that PJs are the quarterbacks. Like, like, just stop it. If we're, I'm going to tell my PJ that you said that. Also, why do you PJs want everyone are, to be non-deployable, Aaron? That's like the <laughs> ultimate frisbee <laughs> in flag football. It's, it's, Number uh, one reason people get broken before yeah. they go down. PJs are also say, the first one to throw out a hacky sack too, which. I, I have been known to dabble in some hack. So thank whatever. you. I appreciate it. So you're saying that we're multifaceted <laughs> combat athletes. I'll take that one. And uh, I, well, I will for- say a, a few weeks ago, the PJs out here were out doing some, some group PT and they had to do like tie some ropes real fast, run, go climb up a rope. And then, yeah, they had to tie knots, run, go climb up a rope and back down and get back to their knots. And they did, they did pretty good. Mm-hmm. They, Rest. But there wasn't a ball involved. Stop it. No this ball. Is bait. That this was is bait. that was the coach decided that on purpose. We didn't want anyone to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to say for the longest time, like this is a true statement, but the for the longest time, the number one deployment injury that led to you coming home from deployment was like basketball. Yep. It was it was like rolled ankles from like sports injuries or some nonsense. So I'm telling you, um, I've seen it happen like seven times. It's real. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. We get to a point where we would stop. Like if we had a deployment coming up, scheduled deployment about two months prior to it, everybody would, you would start seeing people just not show up for ultimate football mm -hmm. just because Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not risking. I I am going to deploy. (laughs) My, my favorite of all time was we had a commander that, uh, he broke, just snapped his tip fib, just playing dodgeball. Like on the, on like they were playing dodgeball. They started opposite ends of the gym and he ran and he went to stop to decelerate, to grab the ball. And it just snapped his tib fib and it was just gone. We were just like, we were supposed to help him and I couldn't because it was gross. Um, All right. So, so we agree that not everybody is athletes, not, you know, these things that everybody's doing, like you're, you're almost like putting these training expectations on top of folks. Uh, we know that you can't out train bad nutrition. So we have to focus on, on that as a, as a baseline. And then sleep is uh, sleep is so hot right now. Everybody's focusing on just the, you know, pristine amount of sleep that you actually need to reset everything that you're going from a physical training standpoint. Let's say you had somebody that is completely a 100% never trained before in their life. And they come to you and they ask the question, all right, what should I prioritize? Should I work on my strength training first? Should I work on my cardiovascular fitness first? How do I actually start this process off? What, Meg, what do, what do you tell those folks as you get their intake, you get their history, you have a good idea, they've got okay nutrition and okay sleep, and now you're ready to really start talking about, okay, how do we turn you into somebody that's going to be successful at whatever goal it is that you have? Um. I may take this in a slightly different direction than I think maybe where you'd like me to go. So I do apologize for that. But um, I, My favorite quote of all time, Aaron, I'm not going to answer the question you asked. I'm going to answer the question I wish you would have asked. Yeah. I'm going to do the politician thing and not answer your question, but following up with a question. Uh, I mean, honestly, after the initial intake for me, it's testing, you know, what is the, what is the Delta between where you are right now and where you want to be? Um, and, you know, we, we want to do this mindfully, right? Take the, take the questions that we used as a primer to appropriately test and not break someone with the test. But if you're trying to go out for a selection, you're going to do a ruck 
and we're going to test, you know, pull-ups and we're going to test uh, grip strength. We're going to test the things that I know you have to be good at. And that creates the baseline. Secondly, I'll actually answer your question now, Aaron. We become experts at the basics. Um, we're cutting out refined sugars and making sure you're getting 10 shades of uh, colors of fruits and vegetables every day that you're eating high quality protein. So once I feel confident that the basics have been fairly well accomplished, which by, again, by the way, most people don't do well. Um, after that point, we're building a baseline in what I consider to be a fairly traditional strength and conditioning format where it's like, okay, if you've never acclimated to running 10 miles a day, several days a week, and we have to build an aerobic baseline. So there's going to be a lot of long, slow cardio that's relatively easy that you can keep up for a long time, layered in with some work that is deliberately um, training for the energy systems that'll be required for your event. So for example, um, you know, if we know that you're going to have to get a two mile run done to gain entry into the school or what have you, we're going to start working on those 800 meter intervals. And it's not, we're not going to the pain cave the way that you would in CrossFit. We're not training to fatigue. We're training for consistency. Consistency. So the first five weeks might be, you know, a couple times a week, you're running 800s. And we're going to do this until you can do an 817 times in your sleep with your eyes closed. And like, all right, now we're going to up the pace. Um, so now we're building that sports specific requirement. Um, and on the strength side, you know, you start with the testing. Um, generally, we see this tendency for women to need more of a dose in terms of upper body strength more often in order to be able to achieve the same standards as men in terms of like pull-ups and push-ups, things like that, bench press. So we got to work upper body a lot. Um, but women do generally respond better to, uh, they, they fatigue less quickly. Um, so they can generally handle more sets, more reps. And, um, there's also, uh, what I've seen in, in doing the Valkyrie project programming is that women tend to respond better when we have a variety of types of upper push and pull. So we're not going to do like a Wendler linear as much as more of a daily undulating progression where we'll have push up, push ups and bench press and maybe some, you know, bottoms up kettlebell presses type stuff sprinkled throughout the week. Um, but in a way that is repeated in subsequent weeks so that we can see progression. Um, so, you know, the basics of can you move for an hour without fizzling out? You know, can you bench press close to your body weight? Those indicators tell me where we need to start. Yeah, as a, like it, just a little extension of that. It also gives us, like me as a coach or us as the coaches and the participant, more of a realistic timeline in that case too. If we do start out with the testing and we, we're, we're seeing where they're starting, we can get more accurately say like, okay, you have to be able to do eight pull-ups as a minimum to get to, if you want to be a, a combat controller or a PJ or, you know, whatever the school that they want to go to is you can't do one yet, or you can do one sometimes. Yeah. I, I think I know where she's going with that is, you know, like we have to manage expectations sometimes. Um, but that also, you know, that go, that expectation management goes hand in hand kind of like a sandwich, if you will, with uh, that's one piece of bread. The other piece of bread is no coach has a place to tell an individual athlete what they're capable of until they see it, right? So something we have to get away from, I think, more in the organization is discouraging women from going out for certain selections just because the commander or whoever it is has a bias about, no, I couldn't make it at that school, so I don't think you will either. That's the wrong mindset, yeah. especially. I, in, I mean, as as a guy, that we get that both too. Ways. Though. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like I, I got told numerous times that I wasn't going to make it, so I don't think that's yeah. a a woman, so that's a shared woman experience. or man. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. Definitely a shared experience. Yeah, <laughs> no one should reflect that bias for any individual that's trying to progress their career, right? I mean, there's the obvious mm -hmm. need to, yeah, if we're about to get out the door and I can't afford to lose you right now, okay, maybe right now the answer is no, but later, you know, you get that opportunity. Yeah. Sure. What are some of those indicators that you're seeing? So you, you mentioned kind of like upper body strength and, and pull-ups and stuff like that. What are some of those indicators that are always, um, you know, 
for like a forefront in your mind. So, you know, you never want to pigeonhole anybody, but I know that when I'm training, you know, athletes or when I'm giving advice to young folks that are trying to get in an aspect war, it's almost always the run time or the swim time. You know, when I look at people getting ready specifically for aspect war, I'm like, all right, cool. People have the most problems with getting that run time down to underneath that seven minute pace and then the swim time as well. So when you're looking at the, the female population or when you're looking at people that intake, what are some of those like sort of main food groups where you're like, okay, this is probably going to be an issue and we're just going to make sure to, to blend that into the programming. Um, in my experience, it's been sport specific. And when I say sport specific, I really mean what is the MOS you're trying to obtain. And, and so for some people that are going out for, um, you know, a Navy a position in the Navy, it'll be, it'll be a swim or for mm -hmm. women that are going out for ranger school or, or you want to go to SFAS, something like that. It'll be rucking. Um, sure. Generally across the board, unless that female tech athlete has some kind of collegiate sport experience that required a really good baseline of upper body, everybody needs help in the upper body realm um, is what I've seen. But uh, that's also, you know, while the advent of CrossFit has done a lot of good things for us, uh, we also generally understand that that's that process facilitates being kind of or pretty good at everything. Um, where in a lot of these assessment selection situations, you need to be very, very good at a small handful of things. And so we have to take those generalized athletes and, and put them in a more directed trajectory. Like if you're going to an army school of any kind or army assessment of any kind, you're going to be doing grip work several times a week because it's less fatigable than the other larger muscle groups. And it's just super important that you can carry two five gallon water cans indefinitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, uh, we, we tell people all the time, regardless man or woman, you've got to work on your grip strength because we are going to tax the ever living shit out of that. <laughs> we are going to attack your grip strength in a way that is probably going to feel as if you're being actually attacked. So in your face, get up for it. Tap into so that, that, primate, that primate brain, man. You got dang uh -huh. in that tree. Absolutely. So all, all of these things, right? So, you know, your lifetime of fitness and then, you know, you and M eventually linked up and you, you saw something, you know, in each other that you guys really wanted to attack. And that kind of leads us to, you know, the Valkyrie project. So for everybody that's not tracking, you know, Meg and M have the Valkyrie project over at valkyrieprojectus.com. And you guys have an entire suite of things that you do from programming to mentorship to your own podcast. So the Valkyrie project you guys have, it looks like you guys are up to like 18 episodes now. I mean, how many you got out there? Uh, I feel attacked, Aaron. So we, we've, we've had to pump the brakes on the podcast. Um, okay. you know, sometimes you get a divorce and your primary podcast editor is no longer available for free. And <laughs> then you it. go to grad, yeah, yeah. you go to grad school and you don't have time for that anymore. The podcast is, is coming uh -huh. back, but, um, okay. yeah, we, we offer three workout tracks um, gold, green, and black that are basically monthly membership style workout tracks where a person can pay 40 bucks a month and get access to that. Um, the, the workouts are on the beyond the whiteboard app, which is a CrossFit app, mm -hmm. but we selected yeah. that one because it offers the best in terms of tracking progress over time and offering analytics that helps in the athlete self-assess as they go. Um, and it also had the biggest suite of exercise demos, which we really liked. So we, we use Beyond the Whiteboard. Um, but we also do offer individual programming. Um, and currently we have a Facebook forum for uh, anyone to basically pose questions that they have. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of times folks, folks are just a bit shy and, and they don't really want to engage. So uh, the, the forum's more quiet than I would like it to be. But long term, the goal hopefully in the next year or so, especially with the advent of AI is for us to launch our own app that's integrated with AI to make workout programming even more personalized, but still extremely affordable and accessible even to the most junior enlisted individual. Um, so we got big plans on the horizon. That's awesome. That sounds like it. Yeah. Where, so, you know, as you guys are going through and I'll put this little plug out here. I, I may know a couple of people in the podcast space that can definitely help the Valkyrie project make their triumphant <laughs> return. So uh, I don't, I don't know if you know, but uh, we can, we can help with that. Um, you know, a, a, as you, as you go into the future, like everybody has goals, everybody has, um, you know, these things that they want to accomplish. 
those goals and the, the things you want to accomplish are almost always tied to success stories, right? So we don't have to get specific, but you know, what was, what was the first success story you have where you, you brought an athlete in and you're like, holy crap, this could work. Holy crap. This is a, a test positive case that we can actually affect these things that we, we want to affect. Do you guys have a story like that? And I'll start with you since your internet is actually working at the moment. <laughs> actually working. Yes. Um, I think I just, so I don't have anyone super specific. So I hopped on with Meg about a year ago now, uh, to help her with programming and a couple individual athletes. And, um, I can say, honestly, the, my success stories, I don't have specifically one where someone, you know, went off to, to become, you know, the first female combat controller or anything, but I do have a handful of stories of, uh, athletes who just got back into training and feel good about their training, which for me is a huge win for us. I know that's, that's our goal is either, um, they're retired military or currently in the military. They just come back, came back from having a baby and now they're back into their, they feel more like themselves after like a big life event and getting back into the routine and kind of being able to be that, that person to, to get them to that point. That's, I guess like the biggest success story for me. Nice. Which is what I want for 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 us, you know, ladies in the military is to to be able to show up and put in work and feel good about it. Yeah. Well, and there's a mental health aspect, uh, you know, with that too and, you know, I'm I'm a father. I've had, you know, I've I've played that other it, I'll call it 49% of the relationship because women take on way more uh, stress as far as like, having children goes, but you know, the mental health aspect of feeling like yourself again, your body goes through these tremendous changes and you feel like a different human after you're done, you know, having, having children. And sometimes that can be really detrimental to your mental health, not only through postpartum uh, depression, but also just through an, an identity crisis, just saying, you know, I used to be this in shape athlete. I've had many friends go through it and kind of give me the same feedback. I used to be this in shape athlete and, you know, I was crushing it and doing all this other stuff. And now I can, I can barely go to the gym and, and work out and feel like myself again. So that's a, that's a really uh, mm-hmm. nuanced thing. And it's a, it's a great service. If, if you want to label it a service, that's, it's a great service that you're providing, um, especially to, to mothers that are coming back from a huge life-changing event over the course of a year. So you say, yeah, there was go. Yeah. actually, um, like we were talking about before we started recording, I was at Nellis before this, and we started this huge initiative for, for women, sp- specifically postpartum women. And we had, um, mandated by the command their you know, individuals, commanders that they could come do these workout classes for a certain amount of time after they had, after these women were having children, uh, because otherwise leadership which, you know, I mean, let's just face it, there's mostly men in the military, mm-hmm. they weren't allowing their troops to go do PT on their own. And so we provided that resource and made it mandatory. If you know, if you if you if if I went and volunteered for the for the program, I was protected by this, you know, um, an MFR basically to be signed saying that I could go twice a week to these fitness classes. And, and it was education as well. Mm-hmm. So um, separate from Valkyrie, but still um, tied together yeah. and, and the importance within the military and actually making it a standard. So, Meg, what about you? You got any success stories where you're just like, this is it. This this is the thing that I got. I'm going hard in the paint. Uh, well, I mean, a couple things. Um, you know, after after learning all I learned from taking uh, Stacey Sims course and implementing that into programming, Um, I've had a a handful of persistent athletes that just do the monthly membership that have done it for a couple years or so. And when they're consistent, their numbers just click up gradually PRs and, you know, lifting PRs and running and wrecking, um, generally across the board. And it's just a simple fact of putting in the work. Um, we've also had a handful of individual athletes go to assessment and selection and come out successful. Um, we've also had some come out not successful. Um, so I, I do have to take the success with a grain of salt and, and say, you know, it circles back to the basics. A lot of times when someone struggles to, to meet their goals, uh, it, it usually can be tied back to not mastering the basics well, but at the same time, there's always that backdrop of stress, right? And, you know, some folks 
give it their best college try, but then life lands in their lap and they have to deploy and they no longer have access to the nutrition or the equipment. And, and, and that makes things difficult. Uh, but I think as far as our approach of doing higher intensity, more volume, more explosive, more fatiguing activities during the follicular phase, which is the two weeks prior to ovulation, and then doing more slow, steady state cardio, less high impact for two weeks after ovulation, um, so far seems to indicate not only that you can be successful in that paradigm, but also that deloads aren't necessary because we're working in sync with biology. And personally, you know, after, after taking the Stacey Sims course, I got off of my contraception, my hormonal comp- contraception that I've been on for years and years just to see, uh, what my potential would be. Because when you have artificial hormones imposed, you're essentially tricking your body into believing that it's pregnant so that you can't conceive. Um, and that has an implication for your range in terms of power output. So, um, yeah, just for everybody out there, get off hormonal birth control right now. It's garbage. It's terrible. The research that's coming out about hormonal birth control, it is awful for you. Jesus <laughs> Christ. There are terrible. other options now. There are there other options. Are, yeah. Um, but yeah, I did 100%. notice when I got off my birth control, uh, I did have to deal with some symptoms initially that were more difficult. However, I noticed that I felt like superwoman the first two weeks, like after bleed day one, like crushing it. Just yeah, I got weeks. cramps. I got cramps, but I'm PNR, my, PRing my lifts and running fast and, and cranking it out. Um, and then after, you know, after ovulation, I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, I can feel this sort of just like gradual decline into more of an even keel. Um, but that also circles to a point of, you know, I think everyone can have more access to this wild success if they just, especially for the women and coaches of women, track your cycle, know where you are every single day. There's a lot of forthcoming research that offers really exciting insights into even more specific, um, training considerations, right? Like around ovulation, women do tend to get more, um, they do have a higher tendency for injury in uh, you know, ACL tears. I think this, I think there was a study on some uh, collegiate female basketball athletes that, that showed that oh, in wow. a couple of weeks. Um, but you know, those, those things are becoming, that information is becoming more accessible every day. Um, and, you know, to have that wild success, you have to understand your body first and your coach has to understand your body first. Like if you're working with someone, you're a female tech athlete, naturally cycling, that's not on hormones. And every single day, every, every seventh of the month, or, you know, every day, seven of your cycle, you just, you feel like you got hit by a truck. There's probably a hormonal dynamic there. Then, you know, we can switch you from lactic threshold training to a 30 minute steady state, you know, multimodal AMRAP. Like it doesn't, it's, it's an intuitive thing, right? If the coach is watching it and the athletes watching it, they have that much more opportunity to adapt the program to make sense for them. Emily, did you have something on that? Yeah, I was just going to say, so like my, where I work, as you guys know, um, for every one female coach, there's probably 20 male coaches, at least specifically where I'm at. And my dream and my goal is to be able to educate all of the coaches to have these types of conversations of like, I know it's uncomfortable probably as a dude that has maybe never worked with a female athlete in this setting, you know, and, and to, to step back and ask a question like, Hey, are you, are you menstruating? not right now, but like, do you get a menstrual cycle? And if they say no, that's a huge red flag to then direct to someone like me or the dietitian or all of the docs that we have in our, on our HP team. Uh, And I know it's specific to where I'm at, but my, my goal is to, to kind of break down that barrier or be kind of that buffer, like for any female that comes through, like, I sit down and have a conversation with them initially so that I can really relay that information to the coaches. Cause I think that's, it's just a conversation that isn't being had and, or if it is, it's maybe not getting down to the, to the actual issues that, that might be coming up in training. So that's, that's just kind of my goal where I'm at specifically right now. 
and I'll, I'll jump onto that bandwagon another moment too. It, you know, I've had the same tactical athlete coach for the last three years and I'm going to advertise for him now because he's a genius, Michael Ban. Um, he's, he's an illustrious name in the field. He's a fantastic coach. And we talk about my cycle and he's not uncomfortable because he's educated himself. And I think that's a big difference. And he would advocate for that too, is if you have the education, it becomes less about my discomfort talking about your bodily functions and more about this matters for how well you can adapt to training much in the same way. If, if a, a male tech athlete goes down range and, you know, has a health situation, it's like, Hey coach, I have dysentery because I don't have access to clean water. That is a thing we have to consider. Or I suddenly have to eat half the protein volume that I normally would because I don't have access to the, you know, that becomes a consideration, right? So um, it's also about taking responsibility if you're fame, if you're training women, taking responsibility for every aspect of that training, educating yourself. And I'm, I'm going to, I apologize in advance for being a little graphic, but it's hilarious. So I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, my, <laughs> send my, it. my buddy Shay, who's the, the vice president of VP uh, said one time in a Zoom, you know, if men were bleeding out of their dicks for a week, once a month, we'd be talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. Like it, it's one of those things where I like, for me, like it's never, I, I just don't care. Like it's not one of the, like, obviously I've, I've seen, uh, you know, I've, I've had uh, dudes walk into my office and go, uh, Hey man, can you, can you look at this thing for me? And I like, oh, I, it's just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, All right. We just went there as, as a medical dude. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But, um, it, it is one of those weird things. It's a barrier and you can always tell like by looking at like kudos to your coach for and including that and talking about an open and honest terms. Cause that's all it is. Like, how are we going to ignore the fact that you're physically bleeding for five to seven days and then pretend like that doesn't affect training or we shouldn't train around it. Um, you know, the stigma of not being able to have that conversation is always something that's just funny to me because for me, I just don't care. It's, it's not, not that I don't care. I don't care about the cringiness surrounding the conversation. Like I would just rather be like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We should probably supplement you and get you a little bit more iron. And maybe, maybe today is a good day for a run and some mobility because you feel like garbage because your hormones are off the charts and we should just yeah. probably figure out how to train around it as opposed to just being like, don't know what's wrong today, but thank goodness I didn't have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Just go, go for a walk, go okay. sit down on the sideline. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not, not just that. train around it, but train with it. There are windows of opportunity, yeah. guys. Like, coach male coaches out there specifically if you want to like see your female athlete get an edge don't force her to get off her birth control have a conversation about it but like if she's naturally cycling and you do some higher intensity in that follicular window watch magic happen it's really fun yes. well i i gotta say and i know that it's already gone a couple minutes ago that you brought it up but you're not you're not blowing my mind saying that we shouldn't be putting things uh especially other hormones in in bodies like whether it's men or women, like, you know, um, I, I just, well, it becomes, state, yeah, it's part of the realm of, you know, there's, there's also the aspect of an individual using contraception that works for their lifestyle. Right. And we have to take consideration for that. For sure. Um, but I, I agree. Yeah. I'm generally not an advocate of, of that stuff anymore. Yeah. Cool. Well, this, I want to ask one more question and I'll throw it to both of you. And while we've got him up on, uh, up the internet, um, as, as somebody who is, is specifically a woman is starting their, their kind of fitness path. Um, and what would you recommend? They kind of, the, the number one thing that you would give them advice on. I'd say if it's somebody who's never really trained, I would, I would suggest that they find somebody who's informed um, such as ourselves, <laughs> I'm going to put a shameless plug in for okay. Valkyrie, just find a resource. And I know that's, it's hard to say that, um, because some people don't know where to, where to start, but just Googling, um, training for tactical training for women. And I'm pretty sure we come up. Um, and I would say just start there and, um, maybe have a good idea of what your, what your goal is or where you want yourself to be in. Let's say we'll give six months or to a year, like what the a specific goal and finding a, a good coach to help you get there and be willing to invest in that too. I think that's, that's a big piece as well. Yep. How about you, Meg? Uh, I hate to, I hate to be one of those like 
wooden placards you can buy at Target with like inspirational lettering written on them to hang love, in your Love, laugh, or whatever. Live, laugh, love, baby. This is a, oh my goodness, here's a recipe yeah. for friendship. It's a cup of understanding <laughs> and a pinch of happiness. Look, I don't talk that way, okay? <laughs> I do. That's, that's, my, that's my wooden Target voice. <laughs> um, but it, it, it truly is not about the destination, but about the journey. Um, and you can, uh, you can learn as much about yourself during train up as you can during the actual event, whether it be a race or an assessment and selection or whatever, you know, you get in your bikini bod, which whatever, but like the, the journey is where all the good stuff happens in your mental resilience in your building good habits, in your building relationships with people in the gym, perhaps if you do group classes and even in just being forced to be present with yourself while you're underneath the barbell, right. Or whatever it is you're doing, like my, are my abs engaged? I have my, my heels nice and solid on the floor. I have a good grip on my last engaged. And there's a lot of mental health consideration i think to to circle back to what aaron was talking about before in just the practice of exercising uh and so i would say and i'm guilty of this which is the biggest reason i give this advice is i'm 100 guilty of it is you know we all want results um, but you have to go through the process to get results and the best way you can be consistent is to find ways to fall in love with the process um yeah you're allowed to be mad when you miss the lift or you you didn't perform as well as you wanted to but you also should be celebrating those small victories. And it's so easy to take those for granted. Um, I had two knee surgeries a month apart in the, in February of 2020, right. As COVID was kicking off. And then I spent four months recovering, you know, in a, in a brace on my couch, teaching closes, classes remotely. Cause we still had to get students through the pipeline and also like putting together a grad school pack. It was the most stressful time of my life. And because of that, I did not recover well from that surgery. Um, a year later, it was still super swollen. I couldn't squat, couldn't run without pain and discomfort. Um, thank God for Michael Ban. Um, but finally, you know, COVID shook off a little bit and I could get outside and do things. And the amount of gratitude I have now, even though my knee's still not great, I can run again, I can lift again. And it's easy to take that for granted, but right. You can also put in the mindset of, well, Maybe I hate my arms today because I didn't get the bench press I wanted, but thank God I have arms. Honestly, that might sound silly, but finding that gratitude and, and getting in touch with yourself and being in love with moving because you can is such yeah. a big deal. And you'll, you'll feel that you'll feel that regret that you didn't enjoy it when it's taken away from you because of an injury, some other incapacitation. Oh, for sure. I get to go running. I get to work out. So, um, so it's ValkyrieProjectUS.com, and then both of you have socials. What are, what is your social media there, Meg? Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, ValkyrieProjectUS. Um, we do have a Twitter account, which I'll be honest, I don't use very much. I think tweeting, like, I'm on there to, like, adver advertise our stuff and inspire people. I don't so much, you know, find the platform useful for our purposes. So I'm not on there much, but we are also... Um, Instagram, Facebook, you can find us on the website. Um, the podcasts, while a couple years old, are still on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, yeah. Cool. And what about you, Emily? Uh, I'm at Coached by M uh, on Instagram. That's where, where you'll find me and can interact and ask questions if, if anyone has any questions there. Awesome. Cool. Well, we'll make sure that we put um, some kind of plugs in there or uh, I don't know, Aaron, what they're called, the cards or whatever. He, I got it. Don't Aaron, worry Aaron, about that. Aaron got does it. all the magic <laughs> with that. Can I plug What's one up? more thing, actually? Hit it. Yeah, yeah. go, Meg. A couple weeks ago was the culmination of a year of intensive planning and myself and other board members and friends of VP got together and we hosted a symposium in Washington, D.C., uh, the Military Women's Symposium. It is in its full recording still available on our website under the symposium tab. Uh, you can find the whole recording. You can scrub through any gaps in the in the in the symposium. But the first 
the act, the first panel was with my coach and with Dr. Stacey Sims on performance and we got really detailed with it. So it's, it's definitely worth a watch, especially if you're just starting this whole, how do I optimize women, uh, conversation. So. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'll make sure to link it. We'll get it out there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. See, I, I do the editing. Aaron does all the YouTube magic. <laughs> nice. So awesome. Well, I appreciate the conversation and the education because, uh, there are definitely aspects that I did not consider. A lot of it translates between men and women. There's no difference at all. However, there, there are definitely some things that I, I did not consider. So I appreciate the education on that. And then for everybody else that's out there, please like, subscribe, leave us a review. And then uh, we're out here. Thanks for tuning in. Meg, Em, thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us.